the first Toy Story was what? Like, oh, we're alive. The second was like, fuck, we're lost. And then the third one is like, shit, are we gonna die? I never thought I would get this much of a deep dive into Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to WRTS. We run this station, the Athlete Run Podcast channel presented by Uninterrupted. As usual, I'm Spencer Pacinger, ex-athlete turned TV producer, here with my good friend, Dane Moore. What's Yo, up? what's up, guys? How's your week? It's good. You're good? You're it's good? pretty mellow. I'm in the middle of a move. I'm going a little crazy. <laughs> but uh, this one po- this podcast is the one steady thing right now. So, Aww. you know, is that depressing? No, that's nice. I thought it was kind of nice. It's some structure. It's heartwarming. So, I'm doing good. What's Look, up? What do we got going? I mean, as usual, this is another episode of the Film Study Podcast where we get you ready for the week's blockbusters. As usual, we're talking about movies that we've seen, movies that we're about to see, and just everything in between. So... Everything Matt, that we love. What yeah. you got for us? What's up? Uh, well, oh, wait, time I'm, out. Are we supposed to introduce him? We still haven't like figured out how we introduce well, TD into this mix. No, no, I know. And he uh, he is EPTD, the villain, of course, <laughs> as always, on the show. Um, you can uh, now speak. Yo, <laughs> what's happening? I am looking for, remember Star, in Star Trek Into Darkness, starring my, my guy, Benedict Cumberbatch, the yeah, intro. Yeah. I can save her. What did you say? Your daughter. I can save her. Who are you? The intro, his very first scene, right? And he's on the balcony. It's just really well shot by J.J. Abrams. Like, that's what I was going for. Just a very epic entrance into the show where you're not even sure who this character is. I know this is an audio podcast, (laughs) but theater of the mind, guys. Yo, I love that movie. I I actually really love that movie. Those first two Star Trek Those first two Star Trek are great. And actually, Matt, you're back. I'm back. I was yeah, on the last show. I was yeah. uh, actually on the outside Snapped looking away. in. There's yeah. a. I was literally looking through the window uh, <laughs> as you guys were recording the podcast. Yeah, super. Depressed. I can see your finger marks on the glass <laughs> yeah. when you were like, heavy no. breathing. Yeah, Spongebob. just like any Spongebob. good Spongebob. movie trope, right? Just yeah. the the one person at the party who's looking in, and it's raining outside. They started pouring indoors uh, <laughs> while I was looking in on well. this podcast. Me Weather and the, in LA what's his face outside who yeah. are always outside. Uh, what's his name? The guy Rafi. who's always Rafi? outside when we're oh, recording. Rafi. Rafi. Yeah. Yeah, 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 He'll yeah. be here. He's, now he's part of the podcast. So yeah. He'll yeah. be out here. That's his position is being outside the window. Yeah. But uh, coming up on the show, we've got Andrew Hawkins, uh, former Cleveland Brown, yep. now uh, head of... Uh, what does he do? What does he, he director? Does of, he does everything. This guy does what does everything. he do here? He's a utility player, Uninterrupted. Like. He's the utility guy of Uninterrupted. Uh, director of business development, as well as a host of Tomahawk Show, as well as Needing Dough, the podcast, two podcasts on the Uninterrupted Podcast Network. We're also going to be doing a spoiler review of Toy Story with Hawk, since he saw the movie, not with his kids, but by himself. I get mm. it. I get it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into some hot takes. But before we do that, what are first time listeners? Where can they find the show? Ah, mm. see, you know, this is what happens. We all we always switch up the intro or whatnot. Always got to keep in your toes. It's just experience. good to have producers on deck. But <laughs> keep follow your toes. the show at Film Study Pod. Yep. Uh, Spencer's at Pacing Your No Vowels. I'm at Dane Mark. It's pretty simple. Yep. How about you guys? At Uninterrupted, uh, you can also subscribe, rate us five stars. Yada yada yada. We you guys the know. Station. Bing bang boom. Yeah. 
Well, some might not know, right? Because We Run the Station is the podcast feed yes. and the show is film study. So you have to, to subscribe to We Run the Station. Also rate it five stars if you please. Yes. And check out this episode. Check out the show every Wednesday. There That's it is. True. Yeah, man. There it is. Let's dive into it. Hot Takes is for the new listeners, again, because producer TD, villain of the show, wants me to say it again. Uh, <laughs> new listeners, uh, we react to three trending topics in the TV and film world with fiery, hot, hot opinions. Oh. So first one up is George Clooney is set to direct and star in a film adaptation of Good Morning Midnight, the novel uh, for Netflix. Wow, mm-hmm. that was a wordy uh, headline, <laughs> but they had to get it all in there. So... Dane, take one. Where you been, George Clooney? <laughs> Other than Catch Twenty Two on Hulu, which I'm not watching, <laughs> but I haven't watched it either. You know what? I uh, I, lo- I looked into this a bit, and I'm I'm actually really excited. Um, the Revenant writer is actually taking on this book adaptation, mm. and if you've seen the Revenant, I mean, I'm I'm encouraged by this. And Clooney doesn't do, you know, he does good work. Um, Netflix is making some big moves. They're obviously paying some big stars to do some cool shit because I think they're feeling the pressure a little bit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's, like it's all pressure for this them. announcement, like timing wise and everything that's going on. I mean, he's probably making a shit ton of money for this and um, I'm excited for it. It's a post-apocalyptic novel set in basically set in the Arctic where he's like communicating with like aliens or some kind of thing. I mean, I haven't read with, it. Uh, it's with uh, astronauts that apparently it's like post Armageddon. I want to say. Yeah. 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 Something like that to where the astronauts are coming back to earth and he's trying to communicate with them and get them down safely. I want to say if I'm butchering this, please let us know. But I actually think this kind of feels like the Martian, but in reverse. Yeah. If that may. It, yeah. Colder climate, obviously. Yeah. I agree <laughs> with you. And I, I don't know why, but I'm kind of interested about the Arctic aspect yeah. because of all those, like, there's so many, like, rumors about the Arctic and, like, Nazi base. I go deep into the I worked in, like, I've been working in documentaries, so you, like, go into, like, these crazy rabbit holes and you find the craziest shit about the Arctic. (laughs) So the idea of just kind of hearing that was kind of exciting, but, um, no. One thing for me with with George, uh, George Clooney as a director is... Like, I actually didn't really know he had directing chops, let alone yeah. was nominated for Best Director. You, you, coming into this podcast from from the first day we decided to even do this, we said we're not experts on this. Right. We don't. We haven't seen every single movie out there. We don't know every little piece of history. So I'm still learning as I go in this industry. But I didn't know that he had directing chops. I know he starred in a bunch of the movies that he was directing, but Suburbicon, The, the Ides of March, um, Good night and good luck. Like those are good movies. Some of them got nominated for Oscars. Yeah. So I'm actually a big Ides of March fan. Yeah. With I mean, Ryan Gosling, and there was that 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 opening uh that artwork on the front where they split the time photo. Yeah. yeah. And I th- I uh, that stuck with me. Um, but I mean, it, even even Good Night, Good Luck. I started watching that last night. I'm not I'm not done with it, but it gave me a peek into you know how George Clooney, the director. Obviously, you know he has the fucking million dollar smile, and yeah. you know he can steal scenes whenever he wants, uh, but. Him as a director seems very interesting to me as this will be my first watching him as a director in the moment instead of going back, you know, the 10, uh, 12 years to watching past work. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll be it'll be nice to see. I, I The book sounds really interesting. I mean, I love shit like that. So, yeah. This uh, makes me actually want to watch Catch-22 to see kind of to see you know what his eye it, it like kind of makes me want to watch that too yeah because you know i'd like to dive in a little bit more of his work because i do know after what i've read i do want to see this film fun fact our guest today hawk you guys mentioned ides of march mm. 
Did you guys know that Hawk has a cameo in Ides of March? I know. I, I do not. All right. So when he gets on the show today, ask him about his George Clooney <laughs> and Ryan Gosling story. But he does have an uncredited cameo in Ides of March. Did he meet the Gaz? I believe he did. I believe Damn. they shared a bathroom urinal. Or no a bathroom. I hope they did not share a bathroom <laughs> urinal. Yeah, yeah. That, Cross the street. A little bit too close. Oh, I just heard ghost, the share aspect. Yeah, no, that's no good. <laughs> a little yeah, bit yeah, too yeah, close. Cool, cool, cool. And then also, you know, Matt alluded to how long this title is. Uh, but we're like months away from probably the longest movie title in history with Birds of Prey and the Fatabulous Emancipation <laughs> of Harley Quinn dropping. So Jesus get Christ. ready for that one, Matt. That's coming. <laughs> that's coming. Yes. Speaking of new titles, Space Jam 2, uh, it's been reported, uh, the cast has yes. uh, been announced, not officially announced, but reported, correct, Producer TD? Let me Well, it it's been reported, yes. It's like the shams and woges of the world, and if yeah. obviously if you follow sports yeah. and hoops on Twitter, you know these guys get all the scoops, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the movie world, so it's a little bit different, so granted... Um, outside listeners might be like, "Oh, this is LeBron James uninterrupted." We don't we don't have inside scoops and knowledge here, mm -hmm. but we all we know is that this is reported. It has not been confirmed by the studio. But there's a there was a uh, photo of him. I mean, a video of him playing basketball supposedly yeah. on set. So definitely, so we, we know LeBron's in. So it. we know LeBron is in this movie. Absolutely, that <laughs> is confirmed. <laughs> so what do we know? We know for sure. I do so know that. And Spen Bugs Bunny probably. Spencer, <laughs> take two. This movie will be better than the first, but we won't accept it as. No, ah, yeah, I agree. I think I it just will. said no, ah, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> I think because <laughs> because obviously Ryan Coogler is pinning the script. Apparently, he just got done with it. This seems like they've been assembling a production crew that can, you know, tell the story, tell a fresh new story, give us some new faces. You know, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson, uh, Diana Taurasi, uh, the. Omogu. I'm going to say, I'm going to help you out. Um, uh, Neko Gumake. Oh, from Sparks. And Chinea Gumake. Mm -hmm. There sisters. it is. Yes. Right, right, right. You didn't give me a chance to fuck up names. No, no. I that's that's, that's, that's a personal one. As, as, <laughs> as a, again, as a Nigerian, shout out to Giannis who won the MVP last night. Mm -hmm. As we're taping here on a Tuesday, I had, yeah. to, I had to help out. That was dope. But I just think <laughs> that, you know, the cast that they're assembling, these are guys that, you know, they grew up watching Space Jam. Yeah. And they're going to want to give us an honest product. So with Ryan Coogler pinning the script and producing as well, uh, Terrence Nance is directing it, we're going to see this in two years and be like, yo, this isn't that bad. There's been a lot of things that's been happening with, with the script and the production and mm -hmm. starting and stopping and whatnot over the past year. But I think now that it's in full swing, we're going to get a very good product out of this. I, The fact that Coogler is like our age and doing this, I'm so happy. Because <laughs> like, that was the that was the fucking demo like the, that was us like as yep. kids like Space Jam was such a cool thing um, and, and you know you're talking about film the cool thing about this announcement now is you know as films go like you'll be like oh man they've been shooting for a while but then they'll have like these crazy casting announcements down the road yeah you know so like I wonder if you know they're gonna try to insert any cameos from the, the first one you know maybe yeah. Bill Murray may pop up like I don't we really don't know a lot about this film and it's kind of funny I was really thinking the other day about like what kind of tone this movie would be yeah and then I was watching uh, I was watching Ragnarok mm -hmm. and the, the Coliseum fight, there's aspects of that where I was like, it's kind of fun and vibrant and like colorful and yeah. like they're not taking it too seriously. And they were kind of, I, I just, I want to see what Coogler does yeah. and I, I want to see what he takes from him and like what kind of world he builds. Cause 
in he ha- built a world in in Black, Black Panther, Panther, and he gets to do it in a way here again. Yeah. Like we have no idea what the story is. So Coogler is producing, but not directing, right? No. So we, we know he's gone three for three so far, like that in a hundred. But mm-hmm. again, let's temper expectations a little bit. But yes, it it is a feather in the cap that he's attached to the project a hundred percent. Other than the cast, I think the three main things that I'm interested in seeing what this movie pulls off is diversity, right? Yes. We already mm-hmm. see that with the WNBA players being with attached. With the casting, that was But not was just good. that, but yeah. just storylines as well and see how that's fully implemented, right? That's going to be a big part of this, I think so. Also is, is there going to be a subtitle here or are we just going full Space Jam 2? I wonder if this is going to be a I subtitle. I think there's going to be a subtitle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then lastly is the jerseys. So Space Jam yeah. jerseys, originals, are classics till the till today. And I am super curious to see how they update that because they have a chance here. Talk about like just consumer products and next level marketing. They have a chance here to create an iconic jersey. Uh, so I'm super fascinated to see what they come up with. Well, do you remember um, uh, NBA commissioner debuted the jerseys that can change numbers and names? It's yes. Like the digital jerseys. Mm. So yes. This could be in two years that technology could be more you know commonplace to the point where you can have the Space Jam jersey that can give you bugs it can give i mean bugs it can give you pretty much any of these characters you want so and we'll see it'd be kind of fun to see you know you think about the original and like one of my favorite characters was just that i, I think could translate is danny devito's character where he was just yeah. that dirty just like you know he was you know he was kind of overseeing everything but he was the money guy yeah and uh the idea of that going into live action um would be kind of fun <laughs> but i just you know I, i'm really curious about this film as a 20 it comes out 2020? 2021. 2021? Yeah. I mean, shit, we still got two years. So, I mean, as things advance, as the technology advances, as people, you know, join the project, this is going to be something special, I think. Well, it's funny you said about Bill Murray uh, potentially reprising his role is he doesn't have an agent or a manager. He has a 1-800 line yeah. that just gets sent to his house. So if anybody wants to get him in his movie, they literally have to just leave a voicemail <laughs> on, a, on a home line. Yeah. So I've, imagine like... LeBron is just being left on red in the middle of his house. Like, hey, <laughs> Bill Murray, this yeah, is... Yeah, I uh, called him, man. I left him like three voicemails. Get you in on this movie that you've already been in, but hey. Pretty important. Up? So, <laughs> Charleston Riverdogs is actually... It's a minor league team with the Yankees. Riverdogs? actually owned by Bill Murray. Yeah. And oh, wow. I played against Riverdogs, played in front of Bill Murray. So that was <laughs> That's cool. Funny. Wasn't he experience. showing up at a bunch of Butler games, too? Because his kid was a... An, yeah. an assistant basketball coach. Yeah, he's a he's a yeah yeah he's, he's a guy he's a sports guy. With, yeah, sure. he's, a, he's a big sports guy. Yeah, he's a Chicago guy. <laughs> guy. Speaking of sports, I, I love my segues into these. I never actually <laughs> speaking, like, of, speaking of that's speaking what I, of that's what I look forward to the most. Speaking of sports, <laughs> yeah. the segues. Speaking of big sports guys. Uh, so Zion had mentioned uh, how he got the nickname Thanos or Xanos. Um, <laughs> And his love for Avengers. Uh, But also, speaking of Avengers, uh, it was announced uh, what was going to be in the re-released version in theaters. So, TD, take three. Can I mess up with the rules here and have two takes? Can I double take? You're the producer, man. Normally, you're supposed to have the hot take right after the slate, but go for it. it. Disney is going to own the month of July, right? They have Endgame re-release. Spider-Man, granted, that's a Sony project, but then Lion King comes in right afterwards. So that entire month is going to be Disney characters. But my second take really is this is going to be we're going to get to see the last Tony Stark scene in the MCU. Granted, it's unfinished. And that's that was a report. We're going to get a message from director Anthony Russo to start Mm -hmm. the movie and an unfinished deleted scene 
after the movie. I believe that scene is going to be when Tony snaps and he has a little moment with his daughter. And that daughter is what Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why was cast in. And that's why people wondering, seeing her cast, why she wasn't in the film. So when Tony snaps his hand, he goes to that exact same soul plane mm -hmm. that Thanos saw Gamora when he did it in the did it Infinity cost? War. What did it cost? Everything. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, is that enough for you to see it again? Oh, I'm seeing it again. Um, And there's a... It's Spider-Man Homecoming tease. I'm sure they'll give you some footage. To be honest with you, I could, I could go either way. Yeah, because I know, poster, I know, if, right? I know. I want a poster, but I do I? I don't know. They're they're gonna re-release this on DVD in like fucking two months, and Dang. I can see all that shit. You're gonna you're need stuff to put up in your new apartment. Exactly. Okay? Yeah, no. <laughs> what better than to start with an Avengers <laughs> Endgame poster? I, I already know. know what's gonna happen. So I'm your Friday night. I'm True. Like, oh, you know, I'm not doing anything. I think I'm gonna go see it. I think I think I'm gonna go see it. Like, no, you. Go see it. To, I haven't seen it in over a month, and I was planning to see one final time. I saw Infinity War 7, right? I was going to see this one 7, perfectly balanced like what? all things should be, yes. right? Yes, and especially your movie scene. Yeah, so <laughs> I am. this is just more incentive to do that. So part, part, of, part of me also, like, I like going to those things, not because, like, I get it. Like, I've gotten everything I need out of this film. Yep. But it may not, you know, I don't know when it will be in, in theaters again, and, like, exactly. it's kind of an event to me, you know, so... I don't know. I think it would be dependent on where I go see it. I'm not going to go to like Glencoe Marina and like have my foot stuck to the ground <laughs> no, before I leave. No, this is this is one of those movies that's going to re-release in theaters. Sorry, every, Glencoe Marina. Every ten years, you know, we just had yep. the Dark Knight re-release, and we actually we saw it on IMAX yeah. a few mm -hmm. months ago. I, this I is a movie too, yeah. that it, it has the moniker to come out every ten years, and we will probably be seeing it every ten. And imagine myself with two kids. I'll have a ten and twelve year old seeing it with me in two I years. I can't yeah. imagine it, but in about That's a week insane. I can. That's, That's insane. That's amazing. So for those who reacted like Parade did when I said I've, se I've seen this movie six times, about to be seventh, <laughs> let's quickly just recap how many times we've all seen this. Oh, so shit. six for me, about to be seven. I'm, uh, I'm four. Okay. About uh, to be five? Four. I paid for a fifth one, but I missed like the first 10 minutes and so I can't do it. You can't count it? Yeah. Got I it. think I'm at six. You're at six. Six. You're six. six. Yeah. Parade, how many? One. Oh my oh, god. Oh, you saw it twice. You saw it no, twice, twice, twice. Yeah, twice. there you go. You saw it on a like a, 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 a bootleg version yeah, in Mexico. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Can I be a villain one more time? I just wanted this well, again. Also, we we planned this already. Talk yeah. about Zion, right? So uh, we can't we can't, yeah. we can't let that go. Zion yeah. just got drafted number one overall pick. And his first message to the fans was of, of New Orleans was let's dance. Yeah. So during his press conference, right? Zion gets asked, where did that come from? And Zion had this to say. Me and a group of friends. Uh, we went to see Avengers Endgame, and if you know me, Thanos is my favorite character. So, uh, you know, Captain America's shield's broken, and I'm like, you know, we're about to win. Like, for once, the, the movie's going to be realistic, and the bad guy wins sometimes, you know, because he's the strongest. Um, so, my friend Axel, he's like, hold on, hold on. All of a sudden, all these superheroes who disappeared five years ago just start appearing. And I'm like, oh, I might lose. And he, he looks at me, he goes, let's dance. <laughs> like, let's dance. Wow. Insane. Well, first off, if you want Thanos to win, you're kind of sick in the head, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't, people, I don't, people, people have said that, like, I'm a Thanos guy. I'm like, well, fuck you. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's great. I mean, he has a friend named Axel. Did I hear that right? What are we in the fucking eighties right now? The dude from Guns and Roses is it Axel. <laughs> Rose hanging out with Beverly Zion Hills Cobb. Apparently, well, Axel. I mean, technically, the the timeline works to where like his parents probably watched Beverly Hills yeah. Cops and was like, you know what? I like that movie. I'm gonna yeah. get my son Axel. <laughs> but probably. I just think, 
I just I think this was somewhat manufactured. Oh, um, this tinfoil hat moment. Got, think about it. Um, again, tin, I, I love my tinfoil hat moments. You're going to New Orleans. This is one of the most vibrant cities in the country. You know, literally dancing is in the culture. Uh, specifically myself, like I did a second line in my wedding. To say let's dance, you're playing into the culture, which I'm all for, but I don't know if it was as genuine as we would like it to be. Yeah, probably. I don't know, man. I think you're being way too cynical, which is fine. I love, I love zigging while others zag, but oh, the shit. fact that he cries doing that <laughs> conference, right, and then quickly flips that switch and says, "Let's dance." Is amazing, and I, I just love the fact that my number one pick is a millennial who is referencing Endgame, the night his dreams come and, true. And That's amazing. I, I love that. And the last thing I'll say about that is that you, when you were talking about what they might add to this, they also said Kevin Feige said, you know, those scenes in Ant Man where uh, Michael Pena's character Luis recaps all the scenes. Yeah, he did it for the entire ten year history of the MCU. That's amazing. <laughs> I will, I will watch that. Yes, yeah. I will watch that. So. Amazing. Yeah. Andrew Hawkins is chomping at the bit to get in here. He's outside the window, just like I was last week. So let's bring in Andrew Hawkins. <laughs> well, we actually just jumped the gun, guys, and started like literally talking about all of our topics with Hawk before we <laughs> actually said we were going to. But I want to take a moment to introduce the man of the hour, the Mr. Everything, Mr. what, eight, nine commas next to his name. Commas. Mm. I like commas. that. Commas. I'm going to say, I, you know. I like that as a nickname, commas. Yeah. Your LinkedIn is I'm probably last. Mr. Commas. It's also like in your bank, in your bank account, too, right? Yeah. It doesn't make as much sense in that context. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Hawkins, welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys having me. Excited to be on Film Study, my debut here. Yeah. Right? First of many, we hope. First of many. Absolutely. Yeah. We were excited. <laughs> Good. You should be. I mean, anytime I grace you with my presence, you should be excited. <laughs> you walk by the glass the glass walls a lot, so I you know, always that's interrupt always your nice. filming. Yeah, always, you, you yeah. always give us a nod. Get some eye contact. Get a what up. You keep cool. us on. You keep us on our toes. Yeah. So Matt, what, what do we got going on? Hawk, you're a big Hollywood producer now. Am let's, I? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about just a little bit. What? Okay. So what makes you a Hollywood producer? I've been trying to understand that. Like for how do two we? Two years now. That, I, that's not a comma that I've like <laughs> technically added for myself, but if we can define that and put some guardrails up, I think it would help me because I would love to say I'm a Hollywood. I don't, think, I don't think there's an answer to that. Though. That's the whole really? thing. West Wing, no. right? It's like I'm a producer, and it's like you can't figure out what a producer you can't is. because also what, what is a producer? It's it's so in undefined. LA. If someone asks you what you're doing. And you say, I'm a producer. They either roll your eyes and go, fuck you. Or they're like, what do you produce? <laughs> or they throw and 12 And you need to have like something tangible that you're yeah. doing. Otherwise, you're just another person in L.A. Which yeah. he does. He has, So I'd say you're a producer. Yeah. You have something tangible. You have a, you have you're a, Hollywood a body of work. We're currently in Hollywood. Right. Yes. So mm. based on our geographical location <laughs> yeah. and the it. fact that I've produced something ever. Holy shit. Hollywood producer. That's how I go. I think that's, that's perfect. Think. That's two so for two. So every yeah. Instagram comedian that produces content in uh, Hollywood is in a, the parameters of Hollywood is a Hollywood producer. I love it. As, some, as someone <laughs> that lives in the gray zone, I love it. There you go. So Hawk, talk a little bit about the movie that you're making. Okay. So there's a, a film being developed right now on my story. It's it, is it biopic? Yeah, yeah, it's a biopic. Yeah, say, yeah, it, but it's not like a whole collection of my life. It's right, not right. like, yo, you're such an incredible story. Like, it's not like, yeah. is it like Spencer's? It's inspired by Trey. It's like it's inspired 
from my like a portion and of a, my it's life. A, it's, a, it's not like yeah, you know, yeah, a condensed the look. Martin Luther King biopic. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like here's how he started. So it's like a very specific portion of my life um, being adapted for a film. And how it happened was I wrote an article um, that kind of detailed my journey, and it was like crazy. And I was very, very transparent about it. And from that, like people would hit me up, like, man, this should be a film. And again, I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, and then eventually, as I'm like, okay, I'll entertain it. Yeah. I got like offers um, to option yeah. the film. Mm -hmm. I, I I hired a lawyer not too far before that. Um, that was basically like they were legit offers from legit studios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he was like, hey, what are your thoughts about it? I'm like, yo, it'd be cool, but. I'm nervous and this is off of like the backs of like blindside and stuff like that where right. I'm like yo this is my literally my life so my kids and grandkids will have to watch this one day even if seven people see it they will be the people that watch it yeah. and it, if it it does not accurately depict like who I am and what the legacy kind of is like I would be very disappointed there's no amount of money that is like <laughs> worth that to yeah. me right. right so he's like alright well look to be honest because there's interest here you can develop it to a certain point and then if you want to go that route, it gives you more creative um, control That's nice. over where it goes. So that was kind of the, the thought process. And it just so happened my lawyer had done film. Like he did like, you know, Hacksaw Ridge. He did um, Birth of a Nation. He's done The Butler. Like he oh, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, it just so happened to is, get, he, he is knew he his world. Is he a producer too? It seems he like is he is a producer. <laughs> he absolutely, 100% yeah. is a producer and a financier to film. So yeah. it was like a, the perfect storm. So they started developing it, um, got a writer, and we're in the process now. We're still finishing up the casting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that's where it's at. My goal for it is that it's very, very authentic to the football experience. Absolutely. So the people that I'm having yes. involved, and I've had the conversation with Spencer as well, because... When you look at films for me, again, I'm not, technically I'm a Hollywood producer as we've already outlined, <laughs> but when I look at the things that I really enjoy and that, you know, even if they might not kill the box office, the ones who are authentic, the people who are putting it together, who understand it at a different level, you know, typically are the best ones for like when they see us, right? You can yeah. tell for the when they see us on Netflix um, that the people understood the feelings of the ones that they were portraying. They understood, like, the actors understood what that feeling was like, and it just got to a deeper level. And so for the football film, I want it to be a football film um, that is more authentic than any football film you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's how we got connected. I know for the past, like, I want to say two or three years, we've actually followed each other on Twitter. Yep. And we do, like, you know, the comments to each other, you know, giving you props on a good meme or yep, gift that yep, you yep. have yep. vice versa. Dang me, man. But I remember, you know, you sent me a DM saying, hey, like, can I get your number? I want to talk to you about something. And it was yeah. about the script because, you know, you knew that All American was going on mm -hmm. and you had your project going on. So uh, we kind of came together under the idea of like, you've been in the same world that I've been in and yep. now we're both sort of diving into this production world. Again, two Hollywood yeah. producers here. Yeah, but, <laughs> um, was, man. but it was just that idea of like, hey, you know locker room talk. You know the stakes on the field. You know the interactions yeah. between between your friends when it comes to football. That's sort of us against the world mentality that, mm -hmm. you know, it. Like, if you're not in that world and of that world, you can't recreate it. It's such Absolutely. a, being an athlete and being with those, you know, 50 or 60 guys at any given moment is its own 
unique experience. So yep. that's how we got connected, just like pouring in that, you know, that five extra percent into the script to make it exactly. that much more authentic to exactly. your experience. Which is kind of crazy because now we're all here talking about it. Yeah. yeah. So you realize that this is a small group of people, mm-hmm. like-minded people in, you know, who have played sports, who are doing these things at this level. And, you know, for me in the business for these past seven or eight years, you know, not getting off track, that's been hard to find people like that. Right. Um, and so, you know, that authenticity between, with these sports stories, that's what, you know, we've really latched onto. And that's what's been really great because we know, you know, going through that first season, I mean, there are a lot of things, you know, you're going through it for the first time. You got to understand where you can speak up. You got to pick your battles. Mm-hmm. But the authenticity of the football and how we got to that point was always really important. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's 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 nice to hear that um, from your side because that creative process can get a little tricky. I don't it know. Can, I know there's man. only so much you can say about the project in general, yes. but how has that process been for you, you know, going through it for the first time? I mean, it's it's been long. I mean, as you know, development and this kind of stuff takes time and yeah. it's typically not on your schedule, right? Like yeah. you're dealing with people that have a million things <laughs> going on and they're all like shooting their shots hoping that it's the home run and you have to find your your way and you know find your place in that process mm-hmm. um but it's been really cool to be honest man for this is just the reason spence talked about you know like and, I, and it was just organic to be like hey i think you have an expertise you have experience in doing this even if it's whatever one thing i know you have experience is where the locker room is yeah. and, and and in this process having gone through it what are your thoughts on this right yeah and, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I just think that's super important in, in anything you're doing as far as creating content. Yeah. The more authentic you can make it, uh, the more staying power you have. Like, I even use that in my my broadcasting. and Well, the easier it's going to be, too. Yeah, it's, exactly. You know? like, it's hey, less headaches is, for everybody if that content is authentic to everyone and they know why they're doing it. And, 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 and I know it's different, and I, and not to cut you off, but, like, that's one thing that irks me about being a Hollywood producer. Um <laughs> And looking at some of the content people do, whether it's film, TV, whether it's digital, you name it. I never understood people who feel so empowered to tell the story of something they know nothing about. Yeah. That right. was like, I don't want to be involved in like creating the content of something that that doesn't authentically me. I'm going to go find someone who knows that world deeply and, right. and say, hey, this is kind of your story to tell. I never understood that. It irks me every time I see it in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's no. why they say write what you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You're not going to make a screenplay about, um, you know, art, art school. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, me and Dana working on another uh, film project, uh, or TV show project, I could say. Mm-hmm. But when we sat down to even attempt to write it, we had the script note, we had everything written down to pretty much dive into the script. We're looking at the keyboard like, I don't, feel like I'm the one specifically to write this story, but yeah. I know I can source the right person to right, write this exactly. story and give my perspective of what the story should be about. But in terms mm-hmm. of writing from experience, like we reached out to other people and now have that collective team writing a compelling story for us. So See, that, and that's that's the key, man. It's just to me, scoring the point is just as good as the assist. Yes. Yeah. Both absolutely. things have and, to happen. And like, you know, even approaching those, you know, those writers. That story didn't come out of nowhere. We know exactly why we wanted to tell it, what mm-hmm. we wanted to get across for it, and they connected to it. And whatever they're doing, you can find your way of saying, you know, put, you know, injecting yourself into it, like right. how you would want to do that. Um, and that's been really interesting and a learning curve, but also knowing that, like in this business, creatively, it's a little more important to prop each other up. Yeah, and yeah, and collaborate and collaborate. Yeah. And if you all have that same, you know, vision, you're going to be fine. Yeah, like I don't, I don't. Again, this is just who my personality. If somebody else can add value to something, 
I never block that. I don't care never. what it is. Like Matt yeah. will be a tech. Like if I think somebody is good at something and I think someone has potential, I will go in above and beyond to put them in a situation if I have the connection to do so. And you because prob- it makes everything better. And like, you've probably never had a trouble asking questions. Never. Because like, and people are terrified of that. <laughs> like they're terrified, especially in entertainment. They are so fucking terrified to ask questions <laughs> on set or to their boss or whatever it may be yeah. for fear of sounding stupid or just, you know, but in reality, who gives a shit? You know, yeah, like, <laughs> that's it. Like, there's no other way to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool to hear. So let's. I know you can't talk much about uh, your movie that's in production right now, mm-hmm. but we want to kind of go down this rabbit hole of casting a Browns movie based. I on, love it. Based on the Browns is happening right now. I, yeah. As you know, and and literally, you are probably the best person to know in this room about <laughs> the state, the current state of the Browns, but. For the past year, year and a half, they've been ascending. They've been acquiring pieces. They are becoming, you know, we would hope the na- they've turned into America's team. Is in, Cleveland in sexy? I like to think that's, Cleveland sexy. that's with the help of... Is Cleveland of, sexy? That's with the help of uh, the Tomahawk show and we the Tomahawk. Exactly. I think we they like the magic, right, man? It's something it's, about... It's timing. That's, that's, again, a point to the authenticity. Yes. Right? We start a podcast when they are 0 and 16, yep. and we just talk about what we know. And as fate would have it, they go spend all the money to acquire the best players. And now they're the most talked about NFL team. Opportunities come when you're authentic. See, and I think you're you're an NFL insider because I remember you saying that you heard some major news in the Browns (laughs) Uh, organization. And then like maybe a month later, Odell was traded. So I'm led to believe that you might have known a little bit more than you let on. (laughs) You know, and here we are. Let's dive into it. We have we have some obviously the big polarizing players, you know, the Bakers, the Odells, the the Jarvis and Miles Garrett's of the world that's on the team. But what as uh, well as the you know the coaches, current and and past. So let's dive into what would a title look like for a Browns? I'm not calling it biopic. We'll just call it Browns film, right? Yeah, now. a Browns, Browns film. film. What is Browns what is the film? film about? I mean, so is, it, is, is this it rooted a, in reality? Is it like right. a football? I, film? I think we rooted in reality moving forward right now. Okay, right now, yes. like like right. like. Are they redeemed? Like this is the what team doing. doing. This is the team that wins the Super Bowl, right? Like, let's uh-huh. pretend this team ends up winning the Super Bowl with this cast. Okay. Okay. Based on the past history, okay. what is what story are we telling? What is this title called? What is the synopsis? Who's directing this? Who is the leads, the side characters, the villains of this yeah. movie? Holy shit. What does this okay. look like? All right. Okay. So what I'm let, I, I don't know all if Hollywood we can, producers in here, right? Right. Yeah, so I think yeah, yeah, we're yeah, all Hollywood producers. <laughs> yeah, I post stuff on Instagram stories, so that makes me a Hollywood producer. <laughs> right. Um, I think we need to figure out synopsis first before we do title, right? Okay. So what is this movie? What is that log line? What is that one line that describes this movie? It's centered around Baker yeah. and Odell, this new relationship. I think that's a, I don't know. Baker is a firecracker of a personality. So it's him trying to juggle superstardom, bring a championship to the city while trying not to lose himself. Everybody wants like him to it. be away, a certain way, but right. he's like, he can't run away from the fact that he just says crazy shit. So you're saying coming of age hero's journey for Baker Mayfield with the culmination being that they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, so what is his low point? What is his low point in that script? I don't know. I, I mean, would I would I would want to say his low point could be and this is off the top of my head. 
he has one of those blow up moments on the field towards a fan. Maybe yeah. it's a middle finger. Maybe it's a, a curse word, a slur, mm. something like that to where the team has to get him out the facility for at least two games. A self-imposed two-game suspension where he finds himself. And then he'll apologize, mm -hmm. get over it, and be fine. Because that's Baker. <laughs> because <laughs> right, that's Baker. So there's normally when the, the main character hits rock bottom. We are going deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. The, there's the pivotal character, right? Yes. The character that I'm ready is the, cast is the one that, that helps the main character come out of their rut, essentially like says the main theme. So who is that person for Baker Mayfield? That's Jarvis, hands down. Jarvis is the be. one that goes to Baker and is I like, man, this Jarvis. is, you lost your way. Subplot. Here's the Jarvis and OBJ, best friends, now having to deal with sharing the rock and the spotlight, that the journey of two friends. And Jarvis trying to figure that out. Baker is there for him in that sense, and Jarvis is there to help Baker get out of the rut. Because there's so something that's the B story. There's line. something interesting the in the story. fact that none of these people have won anything yet. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? So right. like, there's like a weird bad news bears quality but to this, but they're not the bad news bears. Right. They succeeded. Right. So it's like very very rich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've, all, they've all won big contracts. <laughs> yeah. But, but they haven't won a Super but Bowl. He, so I'm wondering. But even even talking about Jarvis's story, you know, I played with Jarvis down in Miami for two years, and he's he's probably the most competitive person I've ever played with. This yeah. is somebody that will give it to you 100% every single play in 100 degree weather in South Florida. So him going over to the Cleveland Browns and, and helping turn the tide and, you know, what was the record last year? Seven, seven and nine. And seven, were, eight and they one. They were on the cusp of playoffs yeah. as well. So Jarvis is one of the guys that's, you know, he's trying whatever he can to turn over a, a new leaf in that city. But when his best friend comes to town, somebody that he's pretty much grown up with, he's succeeded with, and now he's playing in the big stakes, and I mean the big leagues with, there's only one football on the field. Yep. So it could be, I want my best friend over here, but now that he's over here, I'm realizing that I have to actually sacrifice a little bit of myself in the process, I, but for the greater good of the team. I went through that in seventh grade, man. <laughs> Speak on it. I went I went to a private school. We didn't have much money. My mom worked like double shit to send us to a private school. So my best friend from birth was at the public school. So when he was in seventh grade, he was like, yo, I'm going to come to your school. And his parents, because we were best friends, sent them to the, the school I was going to. And he came and he was the man. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? So I had to figure out, like, this is my best friend since literally I was born. I'm more like brothers than friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now he is the coolest kid in school. So it... And that went on until I went to the NFL. He was still the coolest kid. Um, so it was more or less just me having to deal with it. But that was a process. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm, going through it. I feel still. like that's a good. That's a good. Why don't they love? It's a good plot line. That's a good. That's yeah, a good plot I like line. that. I mean, I think I think inner turmoil is what could be their biggest downfall. So, however you want to paint, that. I'm ready to cast. Yeah, let's, I think so, we'll figure out the rest later. Yeah, 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 so yeah, let's yeah. let's cast Baker Mayfield. Who you had? You had some pretty handsome guys, and I'm like, I don't know if Baker is. Our, well, is the our, point is, I said, well, I, I said one is a joke because I saw a pic. I saw a picture of Nick Jonas, and it looked exactly <laughs> like. It has Baker to be Mayfield. a better looking. The actor version of you is always the better looking version of the actual you. Yes. Well, I was what the Jonas Brothers are on TV, and he, I'm like, why is Nick Jonas all jacked up right now, and like his facial hair is all thick? He looks like Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so you got Nick Jonas. <laughs> Okay, Nick <laughs> I, Jonas. I'm not confirming that. I, just, I don't mind Nick Jonas. I don't, I don't Who you we, got for Baker Mayfield? I'm thinking between two. I'm thinking Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Okay. He's a little, excuse, a little older, but I think he could play that age. I thought about that too. Yeah. Or since Baker is a firecracker, I'm going uh, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. I love it. Similar I'm, personality. I'm a Shia the God yeah. fan of Can we get that? Can we get that? Just do it. <laughs>
as somebody that my teenage years were modeled after Lewis Stevens of even <laughs> Stevens growing up, I'm not, You're on board. I'm not remiss to say I actually watched like two episodes on YouTube of even Stevens like two weeks ago and was not ashamed of it. I was yeah. really, I was a big Ren Stevens fan. Yeah. I, that was my, one of my first young Get crushes. So ba- I'm, you know what? I'm going to say Shia, Shia LaBeouf. That's a that's, great pick. That's a great thank you, pick. Thank you, thank you, thank that's you. That's, that's, great that's pretty, pick. yeah. Uh, I'm another, a Hollywood producer, so. So yeah. he probably won't be Shit. in it, but like a level down from him that I had was uh, Miles Teller. Yeah. I thought okay. it was like a little less uh, Shia LaBeouf antics off uh, outside of the record, too. outside of filming. Yeah. I think Miles Teller might be pretty good. Um, but like, let's be clear. All these guys who just said have to put on like like 10 to 15 more pounds. Yeah. I'm, oh, not, too, yeah, I'm yeah. not so sure that has to be muscle either. Right. Like, <laughs> it just has to be some sort of weight put on. Baker's like one bad weekend away from being overweight. <laughs> Baker, Baker drinks Bud Heavies, not Bud Lights. 100%. <laughs> Who else we got? Okay, we just, we just took care. We just took care of Baker. Yeah. Who was playing Odell? Michael B. Jordan. You go get oh wait he does have like the flat from uh, you know he's the good looking oh, guy from Black he, Panther he could just be Killmonger <laughs> straight up <laughs> die the Killmonger wig blonde yeah. okay OBJ. okay OBJ. I agree I agree I'm gonna with go that. with a lesser known actor he uh, he played on How to Get Away with Murder but I'm gonna go with Rome Flynn Rome this is a guy Flynn. he has the smile he has the chin much like Batman how I compare anybody that has to play Batman has to have like a right angle of a chin slash jawline. I like I'm it. I'm going with Rome Flynn. He has a smile, the charisma. I, I mean, look it. at that guy. Look as at that a guy. Hollywood yeah. producer, I don't Damn. know if he's a bankable name. <laughs> I um, think you need to get him on uh, CW show, All I mean, American. He's our, sh- maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's my, that's <laughs> maybe my own test run. He's jacked. That's we need to talk to the casting like, director. That's that's so dumb. Right just there. Googling, just get, googling pictures so of I'm just googling. Jacks, these, we're literally actors. just googling guys. Miles right now. Flynn shirtless. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think yeah, we should do it. We could end up doing a poll on uh, on social for our finalists. I think that would be a fun way to do it yeah, too. Yeah. Is, is we'll we'll put a couple of these names out there and let people decide, and then uh, we'll get the Tama flock to uh, put their two cents in as <laughs> well. Flock's all I just Google buff actors under 30. <laughs> <laughs> Browns, anything Brown's Tama Flock's in. My wife is literally so perplexed at my search, hindri- search history. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a good Tuesday. <laughs> all right, who do we got next? Who we got? We got uh, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Okay, he's oh, a tough one because yeah, there's no is, actors who is that, that side. I got one, and Ooh. he's not an actor. But I think he will be playing an actor within the next 10 years. If you say Miles Garrett, I'm going to reach across this <laughs> table. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, Miles I'm Garrett going, is Miles Garrett. I'm going with heavyweight boxer Anthony Joshua. Anthony oh, Joshua. I think he has. He has I say that smile. knowing nothing. To Hold me, on, he's going. He's going to be an actor within the next ten years. So Why? Probably, because he got knocked out by that regular dude. I mean, damn, he, that he dude needs has a new career. Path. <laughs> hey, his 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 first picture I see is wearing a turtleneck, and that neck is thick. He's hey, a big dude. He is a big dude. He's a, he's, a, he's a strong guy, and he's like he's like uh, like Britain's it guy when it comes. Yeah, to that's boxing, how you pull off so. a turtleneck. In, right. in ten years, he might he might be playing. Miles Garrett. In yeah, the, we don't know when this movie's getting made. No, we don't. Right? I'm going to go with another big actor. Um, and when I say big, I mean in size. <laughs> but also a uh, trending actor. He doesn't look anything like him, but he's the biggest black actor I can think of right now. Um, Winston Duke. You cannot talk. One more word. And I will feed you to my children. I'm kidding. We are vegetarians. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. I, I like can that. see that. He got. He's got to get in shape, though. He's got to. Get, you know. He get, he, that's get dad him on the three month plan. Yeah, he <laughs> can't have that dad bod like he had in us. <laughs> yep, yep. But yep. he is hilarious. So yeah, I'm take he's that. great. That's a good call. I will take that. Absolutely. Who else we got? Who else we got? We got Jarvis Landry. Jarvis, Jarvis Landry. Landry. I'm. 
I'm gonna. I I know who I'm going with. We talked about it. This yeah. when we accidentally started the podcast early before we were actually recording. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Donald Glover. Yeah, Donald Glover. That's what I said. I I said first. I said uh, OBJ. Yeah, you but said I fucked Donald up. Glover is OBJ. We were like. What? <laughs> it sounds like we fixed it, so we're good now. But yeah. Donald Glover, Gambino as a as a Jarvis, I'm for I that. Mean, or Jarvis could just play Jarvis after that fucking Emmy performance yeah. he won on Hard Knocks. That was yeah. great. You would absolutely... Jarvis probably would be a good actor. Yeah, I bet. That's a good episode for you guys. Athletes that would be good actors. Yeah. I'm a Hollywood producer. So yeah, we yeah. Produ- is he, <laughs> these is he a producer <laughs> of the film? Just keep coming. These ideas hard. We we have. Might be working on something like that you know, right now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with John David Washington just because he already's in baller. He already has the the football body, the mentality. He played. Um, he was in. Uh, what was it? Fall camp with the Chargers. Or he was the on the Rams, practice, squad practice squad for the Rams for, for two the Rams. Years. That's right. This is this is a guy that knows football movement. Yeah. Gambino. I don't really know. I know he's a hell of a dancer, but I don't know if he's giving you those same uh, yeah. moves in football. We might but... need Jarvis as a stand-in for like the actual football. <laughs> I'm gonna go with John with John David Washington. I like okay. that pick. Okay, this is one hell of a movie we're putting together. Yeah, it is. it's gonna cost an in, and it's like somebody's damn. listening. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah. it's gonna cost a yeah. lot of money. Pretty yeah, soon. we gonna... keep casting these big people. Bankable so it's gonna names. be Donald Glover, John <laughs> David Washington. Does anybody have Bill Murray's voicemail number? <laughs> Anybody, uh, any, any other names out there for Jarvis? No. I think no, we'll no, no. I think That's we killed that I one. had John David Washington as well. Let's go Let's go with uh, Freddie Kitchens then. Who's playing Freddie Kitchens? Spence and I had the same guy. We did. Who do you have? Kevin James. Kevin James. I don't mind Kevin yeah. James. <laughs> Kevin James <laughs> or... Uh, in a serious role? In a serious role scares me. I don't think... Who's I don't know the dude Kevin in Billions? Who's the dude in Billions? Paul Giamatti? Oh, yeah. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti could be good. Yeah. Paul Giamatti from... Uh, from Billions. Billions. From... Um, shit. This is terrible because we don't have like you, ten of his you, credits. You know this right dude, this, this guy from uh, oh I yeah, mean, okay, yeah, 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 right, yeah. This guy, this guy, <laughs> Paul Giamatti, like, he's this good. isn't a podcast because he could, he loses it. He goes crazy. He's like he'd be a good football coach, I think. You don't think you've harmed anyone? I say that the effect is the same, worse even, because you infect the entire world. I'm gonna go with um, Woody Harrelson. Really? Woody Harrelson, okay. Can you put yeah. on some weight? I think so. I think Woody's already kind of big. Hey, hey, Fat Woody would be great. Fat Woody would hey, be. I think I might say it every single podcast week, but Woody Harrelson is the white Samuel Jackson. Agreed. Yes. He's in three movies a year, and you love them all. Samuel L. Jackson was actually my second pick for Freddie Kitchen. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Just going to recast him like Nick Fury? <laughs> He's actually my backup for everybody here. Like Jarvis Landry as Samuel Jackson. I had John C. Riley. I thought because oh, he uh, yeah, yeah. he can do serious movies. He did uh, the Perfect Storm. Uh, Dude, he did he Boogie did. Nights. His career yeah. kind of awesome, started man. off a little bit more I'm serious. A, he started yeah. serious. I'm a really yeah. big John C. Riley fan. Yeah, are you? I feel like we just become best friends. Did we just become best friends. Yep. I think he is like underrated. So in terms of in terms of John Dorsey, Ooh. the boss, the this guy. Is, this one's tough. I had. Uh, I got a strong name. No, go for it. John Malkovich. Oof. John Malkovich. John yeah. Malkovich. Mm. You know John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. But he That's doesn't have hair. Man, yeah. look at that. Still, look he at doesn't that have haircut. Hair. I, see, I was saying, uh, you know how Harrison Ford, when he was in 42, they kind of aged him up a little bit yeah, to make yeah. him look older? I was thinking they could do the same thing with Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay, I Matt see that. Damon. I see that. Yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> this, budget, this budget just got a little bigger. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go with, to mitigate some of the budget concerns as a Hollywood producer, I'm going to go with uh, Martin Sheen. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Martin Sheen. I like I that. that. Martin Sheen's I like good. That. This is a hell of a cast, guys. Uh, another one that I had was uh, Christian Slater from Mr. Robot. He is <laughs> Mr. Robot. 
Um, he is Mr. Robot. When you come right down to it, at its core, beneath every choice is either a one or a zero. You either do something or you don't. I've just figured, like you said, budget concerns at this point in this movie. We're like, is John Dorsey's kind of behind the scenes guy? He's front facing GM, but at the same time, this budget's getting a little little tight. He does look good as Mr. Robot, yeah. right? John Dorsey. Yeah, I, I like. I that. didn't see it till I googled Christian Slater, Mr. Robot. Just I, yeah. I feel iconic like, face. He has a strong. I face. know this yeah. may be the wrong guy, but I feel like every role Kyle Chandler does, he's basically just giving direction, and he's just like <laughs> upset about something, and it's just saying like everything's gonna be okay. So maybe if they dyed his hair and made him like an NFL GM, that'd be dope. <laughs> My actual original pick was, um, I didn't pick it just because of draft day, but. The uh, the GM on draft day. Who is it? Why is his name escaping me? Uh, Kevin Costner. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner. Were you in draft day? <laughs> I wasn't in draft Mac day. Mac was in draft day. Alex Mac, Maxson, did Mac a quick little in, cameo. He yeah, was yeah, in yeah. draft day. We talk football? We can always talk football. I just want the team that I want one time. Um, but yeah, that was my pick. But I'm like, eh, now it's too much of an overlap. This is going to be way better than that Browns movie. I actually had him <laughs> for Greg Williams. Ooh, okay. Hi, Kevin Costner. Well, let's get into these are kind of the villains of the villains of this are movie, they the right? Well, they're, I mean, would you cast them as the villains? Hugh Jackson, In, I, NFL I, Insider. I couldn't I, cast Kevin Costner. I won't stand for Hugh Jackson as the villain. I know you won't say that. You know, I'm a. You know, I'm Hugh Jackson is my guy. But someone has to be a villain of the movie, and if the the protagonists are the Browns. Yeah. You have to, everyone knows, like, you got to beef up the antagonist. Even if they weren't that bad in real life, you got to add stakes. You yeah. got to create stakes. So, yeah. I, get it. I mean, I get it. someone's got to be the villain. Well, who, just cast them. You can pick the villain as the writer. I just, I'm <laughs> the, okay, I just to confirm that I'm the writer on this. <laughs> I'm just casting the people. Let's TD see. said Anthony Anderson for Hugh Jackson. Perfect. He's like, let's get past this. Get past this There's no way you'll find anyone better than Anthony Anderson. <laughs> Anthony Anderson and Hugh Jackson would be good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Greg Williams. Good. Greg Williams. I, again, I had Kevin Costner. I mean, I got a, I got a better he's one. He's always the good Costner. guy. Let's make him. Let's make him a little. Let's dirty him up a little. Who bit. you got, Hawk? Google Kevin, not Kevin Costner. Greg Williams, Sean Penn. Oh. Ugh. But I feel like Sean Penn's like 98 years old right now, and somehow he's still. Is it steroids? I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. I, I think. He, I think Hugh Jackman would be good. Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. He gets intense. And he what about kinda... Hugh Jackman as Hugh Jackson? Have <laughs> <laughs> we thought about that? It's pretty badass. I'm with it. I'm with it. I literally, anybody's on the table right now. I would ignore... For Greg I would, Williams? Yeah. Uh, I had Josh Brolin, uh, Bradley Whitford, and Steve Carell. I actually like Bradley Whitford if he bulked up a little, but he's kind of old. I just like him because he was Eric and Happy uh, and Happy Gilmore that's or just, Billy Madison, and that's just great. <laughs> that's just steroids. That's all that you know. Put no, an extra thirty pounds. Just Eric, with steroids. Did a lot of actors take steroids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Tin hat moment. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know. Maybe, I, didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't I'm know any just do, saying yes. It just sounds like I feel like people. <laughs> it's like do I'm that like general. in the bathroom with them, like sticking a needle. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. All right. For the last two, Hollywood's crazy. We have your beloved Joe Thomas. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt? Yep. For real. Okay. Oh, he can eat too. Yeah. Oh, like Andy Dwyer, Chris, get, Chris Pratt. Parks Dwyer, Chris go down, Pratt. Which is the Joe Thomas story. I like that. Oh, wow. That's I great. Like, I'll do uh, Paul Walter Hauser. He was in Black Klansman. He's in a new, he's just got signed for a new movie uh, about the, what was it, 96 Olympics, I want to say? 
about the bomb in the 94, 96 Olympics. And again, right, right, I'm, right. I'm butchering this. I'm not an expert on this, obviously. <laughs> but You clearly didn't finish the deadline article. No, not at all. <laughs> it's like, why, um, I don't know. Who I just read the headline. On why do we do this? Why, we have IMDb. We can just go straight yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Pratt. Kind of, yeah, Pratt's that, good. That's perfect for, for time. I also yeah. realize that there are like literally no like popular, big-boned white actors out there to pull no. from. Yeah. There's not. There's no. I'm like, like, it's weird, like, like where your head goes thinking of this casting because you're like, who's fucking really big and buff? But like, there's not a there's lot. Not like, rock. I broke down the and rock. went, I literally too went, too an ex football player. Actors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Terry like, Crews is Joe Chris, Thomas. Chris Pratt's perfect for Joe just to match his personality, too. Yeah. I think makes a lot of sense. Super buff actors. Uh, we've got <laughs> one more, Spencer. Oh, uh, Joel Botino. Botino? Again, that's my Betonio. one fuck up of the Betonio. week. Betonio. Yep, we'll take it. I don't know who, again, there's no big boned actors. I've got one. Who you got? Did Six. you put him on the list just because no. you had some? No, no, no. <laughs> no, this, I made this, uh, this was in collaboration with the villain of this show, uh, Producer TD. Oh, um, okay. So he put him on the list. Browns fans love Joel, and Joel right. is amazing. So shout out to you, Joel. Uh, Sixth Sense actor. Uh, now continuing to act. He was a child actor, but now he's continuing to act. Haley Joel Osment. The kid? <laughs> but look at him now. Look at him now. All right, hold It on. makes way more sense when you look at him now. For everyone listening, I'm jumping on Google. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Haley. <laughs> but the camera angles all have to be from, like, bottom up, because I'm not sure. But how tall is he? He's probably, like, 5'7". He's probably, like, 5'4". I mean, we can make it work. Tom Cruise is, like, 5'5", five, five, He's 5'4". Right? <laughs> And you want him to play? The camera has to be on the ground. Hey! Oh shit! He is five four. He's literally <laughs> he is five four. <laughs> I think it could work. I think you're you just fired. we just have to make. Every, well, that's why you're the casting well, director cast and I'm the writer. Smaller. You cannot literally put him in any other scene with anybody else. I'm put the, the camera okay, on the floor. So you're the casting director. I'm the writer. And shoot okay. upwards. That's all. That's we all we decided. Need. This. Who's the director of the this, budget? Though? Just got bigger. What about Who's the director? Because we have to. Sh- the way we have to shoot this film. <laughs> Who we have to shoot it like Lord of the what Rings. About with Ethan, what about yeah. Ethan Soup? Do you guys remember Ethan Soupley? He was kind of a he was a fat actor, and then he lost a lot of weight. Um, he might have to de-age him a little. Do you I feel like this guy? I have no idea who that is. This guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, that oh, was yeah. him fat. He's kind of, and that's him kind of now. He just have to gain a little weight. I like, I like. Yeah, he could do. Joel. Ethan Soupley. You've seen him in tons. What of about shit. Uh, who's the guy that plays Harper on Stranger Things? Uh, oh, 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 oh Hellboy, Hellboy. Yeah. David. Harbor? David Harbor, yeah. Hands up. Whoa, 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 whoa. You forgot all the cameras, bud? Look, Dr. Brenner asked for me specifically, okay? How else do you think I got in here? What's your name again? It's Jim Hopper. Chief Jim Hopper. I like it. I mean, he's a, he's a little older, but... He's older, but... He's like, older. All, all veteran linemen look like they're 40 years as old. As long as you right, can right, see right. Hellboy, that's... Yeah, we might have said to cast Joel as Joel. <laughs> Joel. <laughs> yeah, you won't have Joel's, any... Joel's Joel, you're Joel. not going to have any speaking parts, so... So, so who's, who's <laughs> directing this masterpiece? Christopher Nolan. <laughs> is this a is this a comedy? I think it's like a, I kind of like it to be I, a comedy. I want it to be a comedy, like a like a dramatic comedy, a dramedy, a dramedy. Like, are they failing yeah. upwards? I think so. That's yes. the name of the movie. Yes. Falling up. It's a real goofy story of success. Yeah. Fall up. <laughs> who's, your, who's your guy that directed uh, Ragnarok? Taiko. I want Taiko Itd. Yeah, yeah. That's my pick. Who's also doing the new the Flash same Gordon? syllables he just said? Taiko Itd. The New Zealand filmmaker <laughs> and director. Taiko Itd. Because yeah, he's so he's good also, with tone, dude. Like, this is so interesting. Like, it'd be, it'd be cool. Back to the authenticity. I need somebody from Cleveland as a director. The okay. Russos. The Russos. The Russo brothers. The Russo Are they brothers. from Cleveland? Yep. yep. Done deal. Giant. So, 
Joan this Anthony Richards, Giant Brown fans. Even bigger. We immediately yeah. just got a trilogy just because they're in it. Just right. So, yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> it starts with the 0 16 team and leads up to the, the final Super Bowl parade. Right. I think we're oh, onto something. Guess what? Prequel, when the Browns leave, what, 20 years ago? That's the prequel. That'll come out in 15 years and they'll be attached to players as well. Love it. What's Russo the title of, this, what title of this movie? Rise and Fall. Rise, <laughs> got, rise got, and Shine. I've got one. Dog days. Dog. Dog, dog, dog days. Dog. I like dog with D A D A W G. Very that, lazy. I like that. I like that. What are like some Ohio puns? Cleveland puns. What are, what are some like chants? What are some? Yeah, like what's some shit that isn't corny? Dog pound. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just you know what I'm saying. Like general sayings are so. The biggest saying in Cleveland right now is Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe Hawk yourself. That's pretty good. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I have to. Th- what is, I don't know. What for a title of this movie? Baker and the Boys, Orange and Brown. I mean, I don't know. Like some, that's terrible. Orange, but like yeah. something, you know. Orange I, I is just, the new back. I don't know. Orange is the <laughs> oh oh. You're orange shaking. You're, you do like that. I don't you know. just I on that note. I am out of here. I walk away yeah. from that. Yeah. Orange <laughs> is the new back. Oh man, love it. <laughs> All right. Well, clearly this movie is going to be a huge success. It's going to be a hit. Speaking of hits, I think it's seven hundred million dollar budget. I think it's time for us to dive into a Toy Story for heavy spoiler review. Switching gears. Shout out to Levar. What do we do, Buzz? What would Woody do? Jump out of a moving vehicle. Let's go. You gotta go. You gotta go. Real quick, this is a heavy, heavy spoiler review. So if you haven't seen Toy Story 4, go get to the theater and then come back here, listen to this podcast, and come hang with us again. We're going to spoil everything. Overall thoughts. So let's dish it over to the guest uh, first. Loved it. I missed probably the first 20 minutes. Anytime you go to the movie with children, you miss the first 20 minutes. So you went with children? Yes, my, I, I, I went by myself, then I went with the kids. Oh, okay. So I took okay. them after. But when I took them first, um, early in the day for the matinee, because they're kids, mm-hmm. and then I went back, I also missed the beginning of the movie. But um, <laughs> when I was with them, I had to go get popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, so anytime you have kids again, you're going to miss the beginning parts of the movie because you have to go get snacks, right? And that's the dad's duty. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. Um, I loved it. But I don't know if it's a good movie because I would love any kind of Toy Story that comes yeah. out because I'm so connected to the characters. Yeah. Um, it was a tearjerker at the end, man. I got a little misty eyed. It was sad. My wife cried, cried. Yeah, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. I did. I, I did too. Yeah, too? I mean, I it's too. uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a sad. Ending. I'm also a bitch, but like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I cry and laugh at most movies. <laughs> it's you a know sad what? Ending. I think I might have built this movie up too much to the point where. I didn't. I didn't cry. I was expecting to cry and was waiting for that moment where the tear was going to fall. But the entire movie, I was like, "Oh no, I get it." But nothing can top the incinerator scene from Toy Story. No, 3. no. And we you, that was the first thing you said to me. And that scene is amazing. People should look back at that. And but see, that was the thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Please. No, but the first twenty minutes for me, like that was what choked me up because you were talking about the characters and how you know these people. Like, I love when you can dive into movies and something is just happening and you're like. I already know everything I need to know about these characters. I yeah. can just enjoy the story, whatever they're doing. So that opening scene where they're trying to uh, get RC out of the the, the mm-hmm. parking uh, lot, and you think he's going to die, or you think he's going to go away, and you know they build up a bunch of tension and stuff like that. That kind of choked me up. And also when uh, uh, 
you know, the mm. woman, the doll, the but bad we, doll. Oh, yeah, yeah. The bad doll. Gabby, Gabby, she, Gabby, Gabby. She's so convinced, and I know I'm jumping ahead, she's so convinced that she's going to be loved by this girl, and that girl just picks her up and then just fucking tosses her. <laughs> that was, yeah. was, was, was kind of like, great, though. Uh, right? It was kind of great because it was karma, but it was also like, fuck, that sucks. But you <laughs> felt for her, right? And I think that's so amazing that Pixar can do that. It's like paint this person as the villain at the beginning of the movie, and then you're like, Fuck! I feel bad for Gabby. Gabby. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Gabby. Gabby I was, was still scared of by, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I hate dolls. I didn't. I didn't know when to feel sorry for her because she still scared My, me the entire Well, way. The, the entire time, dolls I are thought creepy, she those was eyes. going to have. She was her most sadistic when you first met her. When it was like, "Come with me. You're over here now. Like, let's go. Whatever." But it felt like throughout the entirety of the story, she got like better and better. I'm like. I know you're the villain right now, but I kind of fuck with you. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I was still scared of her. I didn't know. I thought she was going to flip the switch at any moment. <laughs> I don't like eyelashes on dolls. I think that's <laughs> yeah. weird. My friend had one in a, a bunch of dolls in like a glass like case in a room when we were growing up. And every time I went in there, it was just fucking weird. And I'm scared of antique shops. Are you? Yeah. There's dolls in antique shops. shops. There's a lot of old scary shops. stuff in, in antique shops. And yeah. a lot of that movie took place in an antique shop. Exactly. <laughs> what did you guys think of the setting, speaking of? It... it kind of didn't hop around like uh, other Toy Story movies did, right? Like these grand adventures where this one, yeah, they were on the road, but they pretty much stayed at that carnival for yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, I, I felt like they the the setting itself provided so many like uh, like minor adventures within literally like a two-block radius, it felt like. But the fact that they're little toys, that one shop can be an entire world for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not like us that can can circumvent the entire shop in two minutes to them. Yeah. There are different parts. Like there was a fucking nightclub. Like trying to get across the street <laughs> as a toy. Exactly. So you don't think, that, you yeah. don't think they're like going it's to like, like class. space yeah. or Thailand Daunting anytime test. soon? No, no. <laughs> I think I may have built this movie up because I saw Tom Hanks say that this is probably the best, one of the best movies he's ever been a part of and by far the best toy story he's been a part of. So the every time just like, you know, sitting down in the chair and, and looking at the screen, being like, okay, here's the moment. Here's the moment it's going to hit for me because I'm waiting to compare it to the incinerator scene from Toy Story 3. I just, I never got that emotional from Woody leaving. I understand it. I, you know, he's somebody that pretty much I grew up with, but it was, it was okay. It was still a great movie, but I wanted to cry. I wanted to go into a movie and shed tears. Well, what kind of hit me? Okay, robot feelings. Was uh, <laughs> very robotic. Shed tears now. <laughs> in the opening of the movie, they do kind of, you know, for any person who hasn't lived under a rock and hasn't seen any Toy Stories, they do a quick little recap. But the way they do it, they streamline a bunch of information through Andy's birthday parties and through him growing up. And like, and you kind of get the idea of like what's happened and how these toys have grown. And then at the end of the movie, Woody decides that he's going to, you know, rescue toys to like find love like like toys that have been abandoned basically like gabby gabby and at the at at the end he kind of makes a decision that andy made in three so like woody's arc to me is kind of like what they were doing with andy the whole this whole series and he's learning from andy and like doing all that and i actually kind of took that away and i thought that was kind of cool um because andy was always like the heart of like what woody was doing mm -hmm. um I don't know, just getting emotional. It just that. to me, it just felt like they held our hands a little too much, especially bringing back the Andy story of it. Yeah, like he, you know, Andy went away to college. That should have been the end of Andy and the beginning of uh, Bonnie. Right. But the fact that they had to again walk us through, oh, Woody is still in awe of Andy and is just making do with Bonnie, and and he's trying to figure out where his place in the world is, and now he's forgotten. Like 
we could have just did away with the Andy story and made the Bonnie story more compelling. Was, I would have yeah. loved like, I didn't a, mind a it. I, he wasn't good enough for Bonnie, right? Yeah, that I feel was, like it was rooted in reality. Like, you know, because he's an old, old yeah. doll, right? Like, and yeah. it's like, yo, kids today don't care about that. And if you have kids, you realize that Forky, you know, I buy my kids stuff <laughs> for Christmas. Oh, Forky. And like, trash. They want to play with the box, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yo, I spent $200 on this toy. <laughs> yeah. And you're using the box as a fort. Yeah. Like, that's not the toy. But for kids, it's like, yeah, I want to play with Forky. Forky is my favorite toy. And, Woody is outdated and like, yeah, no one uses draw, drawstring toys anymore. <laughs> yeah. But so, Forky was rad. <laughs> like the whole like bringing Andy back into the storyline is like Batman always showing us that his parents died, that his parents got shot. Is that a bad thing though? You mean to tell you, me your life isn't no, informed no, by no, like no, early no. experiences? I'm not saying <laughs> it's always, a, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's it's common knowledge that this is what happened. Everybody has seen Toy Story. You're not really seeing Toy Story 4 before seeing 1, 2, or 3, or at least know of the story. So bringing Andy back into it, to me, felt like they were holding our hands a little bit instead of just saying, he is with Bonnie now, and here's a crisis that he's going through. I didn't need Andy in this movie. Right, but he was the dude with Andy, and I think it's the contrast of how his life was with Andy versus Bonnie and how much he's willing to sacrifice yes. for Bonnie. Yeah, well, and now he needs to be able to make that sacrifice for, Bonnie, for himself. For the, I felt right. like more of a sacrifice for the other toys. Like that was the story I got was that like he felt responsible for the other toys. Yeah. 100%. And like if you don't outline that from the beginning, it's like, oh, why is he so connected to, you know, Rex and the potato? Because yeah. he's it, felt responsible for them forever. Yeah. And he's, he's the sheriff. Leave. And, right. and I'm saying he could he could talk about Andy, like, you know, back in my day with Andy. I understand that, but showing Andy and building up the story from the, the first like couple minutes of his relationship with Andy, all I'm saying is we already knew that going in. We didn't need to see that again. I think yeah, ho- hand holding by showing that this is hilarious by because the way. it's kind of like it's yeah yeah this but we like so to this, talk about this shit in our this free time. Kids <laughs> movie. A bunch of grown ups talking about it's this. not a kids oh movie. Oh my god, it's our movie. Yeah, we uh, grew up with. I it. agree. This is not a kids movie at all. This well, is I just feel like Andy. This is hilarious. Now you just uh, <laughs> handing over the toy in like the third. You needed to be re- reminded of what he did in the third one because it's essentially just what Woody did. So like I thought, I took it as like he's taking a lesson from his book. We need to establish like oh that's where it came from. Like. I mean, he's, I don't know. Cause like the first Toy Story was what? Like, oh, we're alive. Like you're learning all about that. And like that world. The second was like, fuck, we're lost. Like now what do we do? Like, is this all we have? And then the third one is like, shit, are we going to die? And now this one's like, uh, I'm kind of bored here. But one of, one, of the, one of the underlying questions within the movie too was what constitutes a toy? They don't, and, and, and they say, who cares at the end, basically. They're yeah. like, whatever. Like, we don't even question it anymore because they said the la- the end credit scene, I don't know if you guys stayed for any of them, mm-hmm. there was a, another toy like Forky, Knifey. Yeah. Damn, those riders. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, they were like, he was like, why am I alive? And they're like, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and because no one cared. It was just like, just go with it. <laughs> before, before going into the movie and, and doing a deep dive of what we could have expected, a lot of people had their own theories of a potential dark mode coming into effect of just for the greater good of all toys, all the toys are going to go into that. Like, remember when Buzz, I think it was in uh, the second one where he gets flicked to uh, just like regular promo, action promo mode. mode or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like mode, personality. Yeah. It was Toy Story three. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, he went to Spanish mode too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amigo or enemigo? 
Uh, amigos, we're all amigos. One one of the theories was, you know, all the Tories are going to switch back to that mode because they didn't want to know a life without Andy or a life without Bonnie. So they were just going to like, like turn off their brains essentially. But when it comes to Forky, like to me, it's anytime a kid plays with you and gives you a name, they can play with you. You know, you can play with an easy bake oven. That easy bake oven isn't coming alive. Yeah. But to me, it's like, if you have a face potentially and that kid gives you a name, some mystical power allows you to come to life. But yeah, RC sure. was, he was RC. The kids give life for sure. Yeah. The kids are gods in the world. And I think that can be said in Toy Story 1 too with Sid, like putting these things together mm -hmm. and they're still alive. Yeah. Right? I, I, yeah. Again, I, I never thought I would get this much of a, a deep dive into Toy Story. Welcome. Um, Welcome to the film <laughs> study. This is film study. Yeah. Gearing you up I, for the weekly Hollywood I will Black say Western. that I thought Woody was a, a supreme hero in the movie, man. He was great. Yes. Yeah, well, so it. that was your highlight? Was Yeah, he was, gave a kidney to Gabby, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Voice, you know, and then he yeah. like, they sewed him back up. He's just there without a kidney. And then he just... And just walked out post-op. Like, you know, he empowered, uh, what's the, the his counterpart? Who, uh, Bo, Bo Peep? Bo Peep? Not Bo Peep. Um, the, the, the cowgirl. Oh, uh, oh, Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Jesse. She's like, you know, that's women empowerment yeah. at the end. Like, yo, you're in charge. She didn't, yeah. He didn't make Buzz. He didn't give Buzz the sticker. No. no. He didn't give Buzz the, the, the sheriff pin. <laughs> no. He gave it to Jesse. And I didn't think that Actually, was too on the nose. I liked that. There's a lot of black people in it, which Let's was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, you know, which is different. Like, yeah, finally. Can, can we talk about Buzz for a second? Because I felt like he was a little bit more docile than usual. I, he had way less to do here. Way less to do. And it felt like he regressed as a character in the fourth one as opposed to two and three. Buzz was always a jock, man. Yeah. He was a jock, but it, it, he had his own his own thoughts and ideas. And now they really played into it of the whole inner voice thing, which I actually thought was funny. But it just seemed like he was a, he was a, a toy without a story. And the fact that he he's been he's nice. been grandfather. <laughs> well, his, oh, that was great! I just caught that. I just yeah, caught yeah, that. Yeah. Buzz is like an athlete to me. They, his story. He was an athlete in the sense of like, even through one, two, and three, everything with Buzz has been on this. You know, I'm I'm the one. Trust me, I got this. Yeah. Like I'm. And in this one, he's like trying to find himself. Yeah. Like, oh wait, this is all fake. When yeah. you get done as an athlete, no one actually like you're not actually Superman. No yeah. one cares anymore. <laughs> And now he's trying to find his purpose, and he has to listen to his inner voice. His, and he's, knee, his knee's probably and he's right the only now. positive one out of that whole fucking toy group because all of them are like <laughs> frantic as shit. Like, yeah. they're like, ah, what's happening? And he's like, everything will be fine. And he's like, I'm gonna jump Don't out worry a window. About it. <laughs> that but was he, the thing. Everybody just jumps out of windows when it's time to do something, which I love. There's a which, lot of yeah. jumping out of windows in the Toy Story <laughs> in, franchise. In the, but in the first one, like falling out the window was the biggest deal, right? Yeah. And now they're all just like jumping out windows all the time. And and I was like, oh, whatever, five miles, no big deal. Bo Peep was a gangster. Yeah, she was. She was with one arm. Big love to Bo Peep. Yeah. Kept reattaching. Broader Terminator back. Bo Peep. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. What yeah. was your highlight? My highlight was actually Duke Kaboom. Yeah. Duke Kaboom. Duke You're Kaboom. Keanu. Duke Kaboom. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. I was thinking about it with Keanu Reeves, uh, Jordan Peele, and Keegan, Keegan Michael Key. Did I get there you right? go. You got, got it. Right? Spencer messes up names. <laughs> but this this is what the second or third time those three have actually worked together. They worked with uh, on Keanu. Uh, they have Toy Story 4, and I think there's something else that they worked on. I'm, I'm spacing know. on it, but they're kind of turning into like this little trio that just kind of handle projects together, which I love. I think it's crazy how like dominant Keanu Reeves right now is 
in life. It's, <laughs> taking, it's taking them like 30 years to have an overnight success. <laughs> it's the Kianasans, right? Is that what man. people are calling it? I don't know. That's yeah. a good name. Kianasans. I don't know. He's <laughs> the golden age of Keanu. Marvel's trying to get him into the into the universe. Oh, Marvel's too, trying so. to. They want, yeah, that's cool. This, this dude's ascending. I he, feel like I he like, deserves it for some reason. Like white actors, once they turn 50, like they just automatically have this resurgence. He, he he's doing great. Man. I love it. God, Key and was what was your uh, mime? Uh, shit, I was gonna say Duke Kaboom, um, but uh, probably. Probably, I really liked Woody in this movie. Like, I didn't get annoyed with him. Like, I've always liked him as a character, but I really liked, like, he went through the ringer in this film. Yeah. I thought it was cool to kind of see that. And, like, it's funny, we look at it at films now, like these animated, you know, Pixar films and stuff like that, but Woody is an amazing, like, cinematic lead. Like, he's done some pretty good movies. We got to feel for a stuffed toy. I felt more for Woody in this movie than I had in the previous three. Yeah. And I think that something i don't know man that incinerator scene i'm going back to it that was like heartbreaking though because it was all of them exactly and they're just you just sit in their eyes and they're staring at each other like whoa might make me terrified now <laughs> i think this is a good opportunity to get into the the future of the franchise so now that woody and bo peep are gone where do you think this because it's printing money right they're going to yes. make another toy story so yes. where do we think that the franchise is going to go next now that Woody and, and Bo Peep are out of the picture. Hear me out. They're are not they out of the now? picture. They're not out of the picture. I've you can't have Woody spent, out of the picture. I've spent a whole 30 seconds thinking about this. <laughs> Very so thought out. Clearly, I know what you I'm really talking about. You really are Hollywood producer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and he's known about it for a month. Again, we're, we're in the age of like retroing everything. So what, what would happen if Toy Story Extraordinaire and, and the toy company that makes these toys you know, reimagines a younger Woody. Imagine Woody's oh. son. The pre-Andy. Because there is a moment where Buzz meets a bunch of Buzzes. Exactly. You never see that with Woody. What if there's like a new cowboy craze and you have a younger version of Woody coming out and it's kind of like a Woody Jr. Like, oh, back in the, the old 60s like toys of Woody's, now, now you have Woody Jr. And now Bonnie has a little brother and now the little brother likes Woody Jr. And now Buzz has to teach Woody Jr. how to be a man. The, sh the sheriff. The sheriff. The sheriff. You're teach, also getting teach shades. Teach him about his dad. You're getting shades of the first one when Buzz first came. Exactly. And Woody was like, well, but, but that also <laughs> fly. But that also teaches you about, because one of the stories in, one of the like, the stories that you don't talk about in Toy Story 4 is the absence of Andy's dad. Yeah. And the animators literally said, like, it served no purpose and it was too expensive to make another character. Yeah. So um, that whole absentee dad thing, that could be a story in Toy Story 5. We're talking about Toy Story 5 right now. But having a Woody Jr. coming into this world like, I've never met my dad, fuck him. And now Buzz is like, no, like, your dad was that guy. Yeah. Wait, now, wait, dad? Now it's Buzz. Would they be dad? Would Woody be that Woody's dad? Yeah, I mean metaphorically. Metaphorically, it's like a toy company being like Woody Jr. or like Chip. Oh, Wood and Chip, Woody, Chip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Chip. I know. I'm so thinking really hard. I'm sure. Wasn't uh, there? Yeah. I, I I think it's gonna go oh, more in the beast. direction that, that Hawk was, was kind of yeah. alluding to with Jesse being mm -hmm. the new sheriff and like what that's like for her and this whole crew. The pressure. Essentially. They were all, the rest of the toys were kind of sidelined, right? Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. pretty much. So it's like, yeah. what, are, what is that new journey with now Buzz and Jesse and the gang? Like, what is what is that like now without their, their sheriff? Right. I think yeah. it's a collection of all that. I think it's a, 
with the retro theme. Um, but also, so Woody was around since the 50s, right? Right. Uh, but he only ever, his earliest memories was Andy. So there was probably a reset in that. He was an antique and they were trying to sell him in Japan because he was worth, he was so valuable, right? So what happened from the 50s when he was manufactured to Andy before his reset? Mm. So it's mm. Toy, Toy Story 5 and maybe it's his dad. Maybe he was Andy's dad's toy and we finally yeah. see what happened well, to that's Andy's a theory dad. as well. The period, be, uh, the period piece craze is real big right now. So like <laughs> yeah. Woody in the fucking 70s. Would be so crazy. you want to see Andy, a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> before Andy, he was... Pre-Vietnam. Yeah. And Andy's a junior. <laughs> And the dad's name was Drew, hey, you know, and, and he was his toy that was passed down, whatever, you know what I mean? And it was a reset. Oh, there's like a, oh. So it's like a, it's a, it's a, he's actually, it was a family. Heirloom. Or heirloom. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I like but that. Is, that the is a theory that, um, that Woody was Andy's dad's toy and was handed down. So there's, I'd like there's to see that. To yeah. play there. But then again, I also could there's see. a whole new collection of toys. I can see both. I can see Jesse really oh, going to the front. Japan toys, Japanese toys. I said Japan toys. Oh, they <laughs> brought a few of those. Like, like oh, yeah. You can, you can like riff off of Pokemon toys too. Like that, that's a whole other world. That's, and now they can put in like Marvel characters and shit if they wanted. <laughs> if they, yeah, they were. Yeah. Like so Wolverine really could show up and be like. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm done. Yeah, I yeah. think. I think we've uh, hit everything yeah, on you, this. Yeah, you beat Toy Story to, to hell. Yeah, sure. we did it. I we went straight did from it. A, I went straight from a happy hour on Friday, so I need to go back. I feel like I missed a few things. Well, we just Hawk, wrote two scripts in like an hour and a half. So yeah, 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 pretty much. Hawk, we appreciate you Great development, coming really. on Film Study, uh, talking Browns, football, movies. Absolutely. Oh, Toy sure? Story. We love you. We love having you in the office. We love seeing you walk by. We love the Tama Flock. <sighs> Shout everything. Out to the Tom. Shout out to the Tama Flock. If you, Real still, quick, if you didn't turn off after the brown talk. Real quick, I was told by a little birdie named TD that you had an uncredited scene in the Ides of March. Ah, I did have an uncredited. I was a, I was an extra. Me and my brother were extras in the Ides of March. What scene? Um, it's if you blink, you miss it. Shit, it's, it's at the I blink. very, very, <laughs> very beginning. I think the scene is when uh, the assistant. I can't remember what her actual role was, but she was walking in with coffee. There was actually one part. There was a, a scene that I filmed in, and it was uh, George Clooney was in it in this scene, and Ryan Gosling like storms in, and they're ar and they're arguing back and forth, and I'm literally the face right in the middle of the two, <laughs> That's like cool. the entire way. So I'm like giving somebody orders, and I'm like going off on them. So we're doing all this stuff, and I'm thinking like, yo, when this movie comes out, and I'm in this scene, this can. Three minute long scene with George Clooney and, yeah. and Ryan. This is gonna be dope. Of course, the scene, cutting room floor. <laughs> there is no like uh, deleted scenes uh, in a DVD, so it's just. So we gotta find that second screenshot. We gotta find, we gotta find that one second screenshot. I was shot. such a prominent face in this scene, man. It, I, you co-starred in a movie yeah, with yeah. Ryan Gosling. Co-star. Hawk. Now that you're a Hollywood producer, I'm sure you could pull and some actor. strings and to try and, to get this. Yeah, scene. I, th I think you could get it. You're a uh, Hollywood producer. I might do a whole <laughs> podcast. Trying to track down this scene. <laughs> it's a mystery <laughs> podcast. Yeah, the mystery podcast. Yeah. Well, being a Hollywood oh, producer, right. you can do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. True crime. Yeah. But thank, thanks for hey, coming thanks, on. Man. This, this I appreciate it. It's awesome. Cool. Just, just this deep dive dissecting of all this shit. I love it. Follow Film Study Pod on social. Rate us five stars, review, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in. Till See you next time. Peace.